Welcome to our Systematic Theology class through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session three called The Doctrine of Sanctification. Now you'll remember the last few weeks we've talked about the doctrine of God, which is who God is and what He's like. And then last week we talked about the doctrine of salvation, which is basically that God created us to walk with us and have relationship. We fell away through sin. He restores us through sending His Son, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us in our place, took death upon Himself for those who believe in Him, they'll be restored back to right relationship with Him. And this is really what we're talking about in salvation. You may remember we talked about what our response to this message of salvation, this act of Jesus Christ to restore us, what our response to that is. Now for those of us who are Christians, this issue that we're talking about today in session three is sanctification. And it's so important because that really is what people have a lot of questions about. Now that I'm a Christian, what do I do? Or how do I grow in God? How do I grow with God? Which is what this is all about. Now to be very clear, justification based on our response to the gospel is where God makes us right in his eyes. This is a work of God. We also want to know the issue of sanctification, which means to be set apart, to be made holy, or to be consecrated. That is a work of God, and it's also something that we get to participate in, which I think can be confusing to a lot of people because the word sanctify, sanctification, or holy is in the Bible so many times with different tenses that there tends to be a lot of questions. But the real issue is how do we grow to become more like Jesus as we walk with him as a disciple? So this is such a crucial topic. It's such an important lesson. And I want to just set your heart in that place to really discover what the Bible says about this. Again, justification is something that God does. We don't participate in that other than receive. But sanctification, we get to participate in. In the Old Testament, we read many times how something or someone was sanctified for God's purposes. For example, Aaron and his tribe, the Levites, were sanctified as priests unto the Lord. This is what it says in 1 Chronicles 23, 13. It says, the sons of Amram were Aaron and Moses, and Aaron was set apart to sanctify him as most holy, he and his sons forever, to burn incense before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name forever. And this just really is indicative of how God took not just Aaron, but Aaron and the Levites and set them apart as priests. And that was their specific function. In other words, they were sanctified, set apart, made holy for a specific position. We see also Israel was called to sanctify themselves as they prepared for Passover. This is again another instance in the Old Testament where this word sanctify is used or sanctified is used. And this is in 2 Chronicles 35, 6. And it says, Now slaughter the Passover animals, sanctify yourselves, and prepare your brethren to do according to the word of the Lord by Moses. And I'm just showing you this to say that God would not only sanctify people for his purposes, but he would also ask them specifically to go through a set of purifying rituals in order to be set apart and made holy for a specific day, a feast, or a celebration. The third thing I want to bring up in the Old Testament is the prophet Jeremiah was sanctified as a prophet to the nations before he was born. Again, this is God's purpose for him in his life to bring the word of the Lord to his people and the nations beyond. In Jeremiah 1, verse 4 through 5, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. This word consecrated is in keeping with the word sanctify or sanctified. And so we're going to use these words, as you'll see, interchangeably. Sanctify, sanctified, holy or being made holy, and also the word consecration just means to be set apart. In the Old Covenant, God set apart people positionally. And He did this because He had specific purposes for them to fulfill. He does this in the New Testament, but it's very different. When you look in the New Testament, especially as we piggyback the conversation of salvation, we realize that in Christ we've been set apart as God's holy people. We're His church, we're His people, we're His bride. And as that is the case, sanctification now becomes not so much what God has done, although that is true, and we'll, we'll share that in just a moment, but also what God is doing, as you'll see. And so this is very important to see that in the New Testament, sanctification takes on a bit of a new understanding. And the Apostle Paul gives us a brief insight into this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. This is what he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Now keep that word in your mind, entirely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Paul says, may God sanctify you entirely. This refers to what I'm calling the threefold nature of sanctification. First, when we become Christians, we are sanctified in our spirit. And this refers to our position before God. I'll call this positional sanctification. Second, as we live as Christians, we are progressively sanctified in our soul. Remember, spirit, soul, and body. And this refers to our conduct, our behavior, our way of life. It is to be in keeping with the one that we're following, Jesus Christ. Third, when we die, our body will be fully sanctified in Christ as we are resurrected, which many scriptures obviously say that we will physically be resurrected and given a new body at the same time. And this is perfect sanctification. So what we have is positional sanctification, which is the work of God. He sets us apart unto himself. We have progressive sanctification, which is all about conduct, behavior, and the way in which we live out our Christian life to be more like Jesus. And we have perfect sanctification, spirit, soul, body. And you'll see this is really what Paul was referring to in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. And the reason that I bring this up is because many people are confused when they read the Bible and they see a past tense a present tense and a future tense when looking at words. If you looked at the word sanctified, that would be past tense. Sanctify could be present tense. And you look at the word you will be sanctified. So the word sanctified looks past tense, but it's, it has words before it that actually project something going, that's going to happen in the future. And you have to pay attention to these words when you're reading the Bible because otherwise what we can do is we can teach something that's not really in keeping with what the author, inspired of the Holy Spirit, was originally intending for us to understand. And this is also true in the conversation about salvation that you are saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. It's very much the same thing. And so that's how we're going to look at it. So first, we wanna talk quickly about positional sanctification, sanctification of the Spirit. The Bible is very clear regarding those who give their lives to Jesus that you are sanctified. This is what God has done in Christ. He has set you apart, He has made you holy, He has consecrated you by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Positional sanctification is something that God does through our salvation, which is the notation you want to make. Many passages reference this. They share this with us very, very clearly, like Acts chapter 20, verse 32. It says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified, referring to those that are Christians that have responded to Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 15 says the exact same thing, or at least it says the same thing in reference to how we're sharing this. It says, but I have written very boldly to you, Paul speaking, on some points as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He's using this word past tense. 1 Corinthians 1-2 says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. I could continue to talk to you about these verses. In fact, I'll just give you one more. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says, By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So here's the picture. The authors in here are simply referring to the people of God, the body of Christ, as those who are Christians, those who are sanctified because they've responded to the gospel, and that they are the positionally people of God set apart for God. This is what God has done for you. This is not something that you do. It's only something that you receive, which sort of intertwines with the message of salvation. And it's so important that you don't mix positional sanctification up with progressive sanctification, which has to do with our partnership to Christ, with Christ in the working out of our salvation. And this is how we become more like Him. This is how we say yes to righteousness and no to unrighteousness. And the, only re- the only way that we can actually do that is if God has worked powerfully on our behalf, which is exactly what we're saying He has done, not only in the doctrine of salvation, But when we use this word sanctification, it is because God has set you and I apart in Christ that now we have been restored back to the choice in order to choose righteousness. We've been made righteous because of what Jesus did, but we choose righteousness in our conduct, which is what we're referring to as progressive sanctification. So every Christian has been sanctified by God. We are set apart by Him, in Him, and for Him. This is not a work of human effort. It's not conditioned on our obedience. It is a work of the Holy Spirit within us because we've responded to the gospel. When we read the scriptures that refer to sanctification in the past tense, this is what it is referring to. This is what it means. I have heard a lot of teaching where they mix up the tenses and the terminology here, and it leads to very bad teaching. So it's really important that you have these markers in your mind. Positional sanctification, which is the work of God. Second, We want to look also at progressive sanctification, which is where most people have their questions. How do I become holy? How do I live a holy life, which certainly pleases the Lord? Absolutely. This is the question. Why can I still sin? If I'm made holy and I'm made righteous, why is it that I can still sin? Well, obviously, if we still can sin, it means that there's a work of God that He is doing inside of us. He's working out our salvation, which is exactly what Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says. And I'll read this to you. It says, So then, my beloved, just as you also have obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, 
both to will and to work for his own good pleasure. Now, Paul uses the term salvation here, but I want you to look at this concept. What essentially he's saying is that what God has done for you is something of the Holy Spirit's work on the inside of you. Now, as a result of that, you can work out what God has worked in. This is where we obey. In fact, the rest of Philippians chapter 2 speaks about obedience and then gives Jesus Christ coming here to earth and giving himself willingly on our behalf as an example, a mighty example of what obedience actually looks like. Obedience to God is only possible because of what God has done for us in Christ. Work out what God has worked in, progressive sanctification. And this is what we're actually talking about. It is because of and by the power of the Holy Spirit that this is even possible. Prior to us giving our life to Jesus, we were not actually able to obey God and His Word. And this is what the law revealed to us. The law was a standard. It was a measure by which we could see that we needed salvation, that we needed a Savior. And for those that come to the Savior, now the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, enabling you to say yes to righteousness and no to righteousness. Romans chapter 6 would actually say it this way. It would say that you were a slave to unrighteousness, but in Christ now you are a slave, you are a willing slave to use your body, it says instruments of righteousness, as instruments of righteousness. Now we are restored back to choice. And that really is the key. Freedom in Christ is not that he coerces you now so that you have to do righteousness. It's that he has enabled you so that you can. And we, by the very nature of obedience, are saying yes to righteousness. We are using our God-given will in order to choose his way instead of our way. It's turning our back on sin, which is repentance, and turning our face towards him, which is righteousness. And this is what I believe progressive sanctification is all about. It is a partnership with the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus, which the Bible says time and time again. We have been given a new nature in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Behold, all things are new. We are new creations in Him. But just because we, are, we have a new nature does not mean that we're always living out of that new nature. This is the partnership in the life of a Christian, the life of a disciple. We're learning to renew our minds. We're learning to follow the one that uh, is really the marker. He is the pattern for all that we would ever do, the, what we would become. And we're wanting to be more and more um, like him. Progressive sanctification is a call to live holy in our thinking, in our conduct. We are already made holy and set apart as righteous, but this is in keeping with that righteousness that God has called us to. This is also something that the scriptures give a lot of weight to. And I want to show you just some scriptures. I'm going to kind of rapidly share them with you so that we can just conversate about this for a few moments. But 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says this, Paul writing, of course, Therefore, having these promises of God, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What is he saying? If it's already been done, then why is he saying this is something you need to do? He's talking to Christians and he's telling them, those that have choices to make, because they're obviously making wrong choices, he's correcting them. He's sharing with them that this is what you're called to. Lay aside, put aside all of the deeds of the flesh. Cleanse yourself from unrighteousness, everything that's defiling you, your mind, your heart, your soul. Put it all aside and follow Jesus 
in righteousness. His terminology is perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And this is obviously progressive sanctification at its finest. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16, shares something very similar. Peter says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts. Park right there. Um, this is important to realize that it's actually possible to be conformed to the former way of life. And that's something you need to understand as we talk about progressive sanctification. If you want to go back, you can. If you want to sin, you can. The warning from Peter is not to do so. Do not allow yourself, your will to be corrupted in a way or defiled in a way where you go back to the manner of life that Jesus has set you free from. So this is what he says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And this is really just a proclamation over our lives that we will be holy as he is holy. What does this mean? He calls us to be like the Holy One. We're talking about Jesus and to do so in all of our behavior. Well, as we follow him, he's the, not only the payment for our sins, but he's the pattern for our life. And that being the case, whatever we see in Jesus is what we want in our own lives. We see his righteousness, his righteous way, where he doesn't, he doesn't go off the handle. He doesn't allow his anger to be released on people. He doesn't, he doesn't get offended easily. He doesn't insult back. He doesn't retaliate. All of these things that we see in him, this is what holiness really is. We're not just talking about big macro things. We're talking about issues of the heart. Progressive sanctification is not just about behavior modification. It's about dealing with your heart. Where is your heart at? Do you have anger in your heart? Do you have lust in your heart? Do you have jealousy in your heart, pride in your heart? The root system is what leads to the fruits in our life, right? The roots lead to the fruits. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about things from the heart level. He says, if you have anger in your heart, it's like committing murder. If you have lust in your heart, it's like committing adultery. Why? Because what's inside eventually manifests outside. And so if we're going to keep our behavior in line with who Jesus is and how he's called us to be like the one we're following, what that's going to require is for us to capture it at the heart level. This is not about just trying to edit our behaviors. This is about having our heart laid bare and surrendered before God every day. It's going back to the garden where we see that Adam and Eve lived out of what God said. And this is why we're so connected to the word of God. Jesus told the devil when he was tempted in Matthew chapter four, the devil tried to tempt him. He said, if you really are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. And he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's what we wanna be restored back to is that we live by the words of God. If God says it, we believe it. And all of the other opinions and ideologies and voices that try to attract and distract us from being the people that Jesus has called us to be, we want to lay those aside, not follow them, not give any affection or attention to them and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to obey Jesus. And that's what it means to live a holy life. This is what progressive sanctification is all about. It's, it's we get to co-labor and partner with the Holy Spirit to set our life, our practical life aside or apart in order for his purposes. And this is what I really believe about sanctification. It is people that set their lives apart, according to, I believe it's 1 Timothy chapter 2 or 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's people that set their lives apart 
are the ones that can hear his voice clear enough in order to do what he's saying. This is what we're all about. We want to be restored back to purpose. Purpose comes from what God tells us to do. Purpose comes from the wor- what the Word says to do. And that's not going to happen if we're distracted and attracted to everything but Him. Living a holy life, being sanctified in our conduct and behavior, in our heart, in the way that we live, what that's all about is that's all about being set apart to to do the purposes of God in our life in this generation. And there are more uh, passages, but 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 just says it really simply, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. And this is progressive sanctification that he is referring to. So how do we live in progressive sanctification is the question. Number one, we need to pursue holiness in our lives. This Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, pursue peace, with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. This is so important. No one will see the Lord. The verse and other translations speaks of pursuing a holy life as we live before a holy God. We must embrace a holy life. We can't just do everything because we, we aren't everything. We can't just do what everybody else does. We're not restored back to freedom in Christ to do what we want to do. We're restored back to freedom in Christ to be who he's called us to be. All right, not just to be led by the flesh, not to just be led by the lusts of our mind, the pride of life, but now to, with dignity, with honor, with respect, become the people that we were born to be. That's what this is all about. Pursue a holy life. Set yourself apart. Pursue this and make sure that you're intentional about this, just as intentional as God is about you. Number two is we need to walk by the Spirit of God. Galatians 5.16 says it very clearly. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. We cannot live a holy life without the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I will never live a holy life without the power and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's worth repeating. This is my, one of my favorite verses because he says, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the obvious question is, how do we walk by the Spirit? Some of the best advice that I could give you is wake up every day and talk to the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to lead you. Invite Him into your day. In fact, as you're living out your day, invite Him in. If you're tempted, invite Him in. If you're not tempted, invite Him in. When you're having a meeting with someone, invite Him in. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your mind. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead your life. Not just when things are bad, not just when things are difficult, but way before that. I actually believe in the principle of displacement, is that when we're so focused on what God is calling us to do, when we're so focused on being led of the Holy Spirit proactively, intentionally, we don't have enough time to sin. I feel like a lot of times we get caught up in sin because we have idle time and we're not focused and we're not purposeful and we're not intentional. Now that might sound legalistic to you if you want to be a free bird, but the reality is is that we live in this life to become like Jesus and to make Jesus known. We're going to live for eternity and we're going to be with Him forever. So this life has very much purpose attached to it. It's very intentional. And we can't let the enemy try to distract us, entertain us, or detain us in any way whatsoever. We have to resist the power of this life that tries to draw out of us this sort of like concept that says, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's not Christian and that's not 
an eternal perspective. God is calling us to be purposeful, to be intentional, and that's why our holiness and our conduct and behavior matters so much. Because if we're sitting here focused on everything but Jesus and his purposes, believe me, we will absolutely miss the things that he's calling us to and the purposes of God for us and our family in this generation, which is really what we're all about. It's just, it's super sad that so many people focus a lot of attention and a lot of their time on things that are filled with total insignificance. You and I, we're all tempted by it, the cares, the pleasures, the worries of this life, but we have to reject, we have to resist, and we have to set our heart, set our mind on the things of God, right? This is what Colossians chapter three talks about, setting our mind on things above and not on things below. Don't get caught up in that. In the way that you live a life of displacement, displacing sin is by focusing on what the Holy Spirit is saying and how the Holy Spirit is leading you and following Jesus. Number three, if we're gonna pursue sanctification, progressive sanctification in our life, is we need to renew our minds. This is what we read about in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. In the midst of a conversation that Paul has with the Romans, he says this, "'Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, "'to present your bodies a living, a living and holy sacrifice, "'acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. "'Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We live out of how we think, right? Our thoughts equal our actions, prolonged actions equal our lifestyle, and repentance is our gift if we're ever gonna break this cycle, thoughts, actions, lifestyle. We need to get a hold of our influences. We need to repent from the way that we're living. We need to repent from the way that we're thinking and ask God to infiltrate and invade our thinking so that we can think differently than those places that lead us to what we're not called to, what we don't want in our life. We need Him to invade our thinking. And this is what it means to be renewed in our mind. It's the Word of God, it's the Spirit of God, and it's the people of God. Filling ourselves with the right voices affect our choices. And so this is what it means to pursue progressive sanctification. In the process, we have to renew our minds. We have to get a hold of how we think. That's what I talked about knowing what's going on inside of you, that internal reality. We have to know what's going on here before we try to modify what goes on out here. Sanctification can never just be behavior modification. The voices in our, in our life affect the choices in our life. Get a hold of these voices and you'll make the right choices. Now, just briefly, I wanna to talk to you about the third component. Remember, we talked about being sanctified in spirit, soul, and body. This is positional sanctification, progressive sanctification, which we just discussed. But now third, we wanna talk a little bit about perfect sanctification, which is the sanctification of the body. And this is what we're talking about is being set apart physically at death for the second coming of Jesus Christ. The day is coming where God will resurrect us and perfect us through the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that you're looking forward to that, so am I. In the meantime, we've got a race to run, we've got people to win for Jesus, we've got a life to live, and it's not just to live for ourselves, it's to live for Him on behalf of others. We wanna reach as many as we possibly can in this life. But what really is coming is that we are going to be raised to new life. We're gonna get a new body according to 1 Corinthians 16 and other passages. But listen to what Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says about this. For our citizenship is in heaven, 
from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory uh, by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject Himself to subject, subject all things to himself, is what he says. And this is actually perfect sanctification. A day w- will come where in all reality, everything that we are will be fully and completely set apart for everything that he is in this glorious state that he promises those who believe in him. This is what we look forward to in perfect sanctification. That we are set apart unto this very purpose of being with him forever and ever and ever. Resurrection from the dead is our lot in life, those that believe upon Jesus Christ. This is what motivates us to go out and share the gospel. It helps us to reach the people around us. We don't want anybody to be without God. We don't want anybody to not have this glorious promise attached to their eternal existence. And so therefore we go in the name of Jesus according to the gospel and the Great Commission. I want to conclude our session by reading this verse to you, which I've referred to already, and I've talked about in, in a little bit, uh, or a little bit in progressive sanctification, but I think you just need to hear the scriptures and not just my view on it. This is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 through 26. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. In a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, some to honor, some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolishness and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Wow, that's a powerful verse. It's a lot there. If we pursue sanctification in this life, we will be useful in God's hands for every good work. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. We know that Paul is nearing the end of his life and he's saying some of the most important things that he can to his true son in the faith. And what, it, what I see in this passage is that there are many vessels, he says, in a large house. There are vessels of wood, there are vessels of, of earthenware, and there are also vessels of gold and silver. And he says, if you cleanse yourself from the latter, if you cleanse yourself from defilement and from the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, if you cleanse yourself from that, then you will be like a vessel of gold in the hands of the master, prepared and equipped for every good work. Obviously, this is what we want to be, but we realize in this verse that Paul is actually telling Timothy that you have to partner with God in this process. It's not just something that is automatic, that's going to happen without you doing anything. There are many vessels in a house. There are some that have special purposes because they set themselves apart for those special purposes. It's amazing though, if you think about it, all of the vessels are already in the house. That's a pretty good illustration. There are vessels of earthenware and they're just sort of common 
You know, you don't bring them out for special purposes, but there are some that you bring out for those special occasions is basically what he's saying. And he's, he's implying you want to be that. You want to be that kind of a person. And in order to do that, you need to cleanse yourself. You've already been cleansed by God, which makes you a vessel in the house already. But the kind of vessel that you're going to be depends on the person that you choose to be. And this is all available to us by what Jesus has done for us and through the power of the Holy Spirit that we cooperate with. This is what we've been talking about. Pursue living a holy life. He also actually tells us how it is that we reject the defilement and the things that bring us away from living a holy life. He says, flee from youthful lusts, pursue righteousness. He also says, refuse foolish arguments, speculations. And uh, he says, pursue this righteousness, this right way with people who call on God out of a pure heart, who you hang around, who you spend your time with, who you decide to link up with as the closest people in your life. They matter. You know, we want to reach everybody. We want to be friends with everybody, but we can't have everybody in our inner circle. If we're going to live a holy life, we've got to do that alongside people that are pursuing the same thing with us is to reach as many people as possible. And when you set your heart in the truth of God, for the purposes of God, you will be used of God in ways that otherwise you will not be used. This isn't God playing favorites. This is saying, this is God's inviting everybody in for his special and holy purposes saying, I want all of you to co-labor with me and be used by my spirit to do great and mighty things in your generation. But not everybody's going to do that. And so we get to make that decision. It's not enough just to have a desire for it. We have to make decisions in order to see these things come to pass. And it's with this verse that I want to admonish you. I want to encourage you. And I really want to pray for God to strengthen you that you and I would be people that pursue a holy life so that we can see God do the absolute most with our life that is possible. I don't know everything that God can do with my life, but I want it to be maximized. I want God to maximize your life for its absolute most potential. I don't want to live with this idea of potential. I want to maximize potential for God's purposes and for God's glory. And this is why living a sanctified, holy life is so important. We thank God that he allows us and finds value in the process of us making choices alongside co-laboring with him. What a privilege it really is. I don't think we always see it that way. Like, God, why don't you just take this out of my mind? Why don't you just take this out of my life? If he's left it there, it's because he wants us to choose obedience by forsaking and repenting from the things that once held our heart captive and saying yes to his righteous ways. There's value in that because we're choosing to worship him in the midst of options. Let me encourage you, let me pray for you actually, as we close our session on sanctification. Father, I just thank you right now for everybody taking this class. And God, I ask, um, first I actually just thank you that you have sanctified us if we believe in you. You've set us apart, you've made us right with you. That's a work of justification. We thank you for that. It's the blood of Jesus that sets us apart. Now as we live our life in Christ, I pray that you would help us to pursue a holy life that we would say no to the distractions, no to the sins, no to the pleasures and the cares and the worries of this life in order to say yes to you, your righteous ways, your purposes for your glory. I pray for every one of my friends watching this. I pray that you would encourage their heart, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit and help them to follow you in a relentless way, a pursuit, Lord, that we would not easily move to the right or to the left, 
I pray, God, that you'd help us to keep our focus on you and what you're calling us into. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us power to step on the, the neck of the enemy, that we are no longer his slave to do his bidding, and we are not a slave to the flesh. We choose, we willingly choose to be bondservants, and that our body, that our mind, our will and emotions, our hands, our feet, our mouth, that we willingly place in, in front of you, we present ourselves as a holy sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable, which is our spiritual service of worship. So bless us, strengthen us, use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I look forward to our next session. Yeah, I will be.